0: Welcome to another message from Columbus First Assembly. Thanks for listening as we strive to learn and live the Word and ways of God. Our hope is that you're encouraged by today's message.
1: Amen. Amen. So, before we get started, I want to tell you a little bit about me. When I was 15, uh, I had a girlfriend. Yeah. <laughs> now this is going to get a good start. You're probably like, wow, okay, this is interesting. Yeah, I had a girlfriend. Um, I was head over heels for this girl. I just, I mean, she was the one. She was it. And if, if you've been a teenager, you have those emotions. You have those crushes. Oh, my gosh. I talk to my teens all the time, and they're just like, I've got a crush. This is the person. This is it. And I'm just like, okay, cool, chill. And I had this girlfriend, and oh, my gosh. It was, she was it. And I loved her family. I loved them all together, and her dad and her dad's side of the family, um, he was from New Orleans, and on spring break, they took me, the whole family took me on a trip to New Orleans, and I had the time of my life. They, the family that we were with had bags full of crawfish, dumping them on the table, and there was crawfish all over the place, and you just ate and ate and ate, and I had like 60 of them, and it's just crazy. If you've ever had crawfish, they are so Good. And I fell in love with the city altogether because it was such a raw and unique city. There was so much culture behind every single thing. I went to the French Quarter. Some of it was not the most wholesome parts. And some of you know it was like Mardi Gras and Bourbon Street. It's crazy, but I love that city. And because this was my girlfriend, she was was the one I was supposed to be with. I identified with it. And we went to the store and it was a, a, a saint's store because the saints are the new orleans team and i saw this saint's jersey and what better way to prove my dedication to this girlfriend than to get a saint's sweatshirt so i got the sweatshirt and i'm like yeah this is it i love this i love the team i think what is it drew Brees was the quarterback so so i kind of knew and so i took that home um and i i was wearing it when i walked into the house and my dad saw the sweatshirt that I was wearing and I could just see the look of betrayal on his face and he was like, what are you wearing? (laughs) Because, I mean, I'm from Plainfield, Avon, Indiana and, I mean, the Colts won the Super Bowl in 2008 and we are a Peyton Manning, Tony Dungy family and if I come in with a Saints sweatshirt, that means I have betrayed him. I have betrayed him. I just think of what would happen if I came home wearing a patriot sweatshirt. <laughs> it would be the end. I think I would, would would have been disowned. It would have been crazy. But now, I mean, families have all kinds of rivalries and there's all different views that people have that are so opposing and sometimes it causes just a little bit of tension. And I was thinking of this quote by Abraham Lincoln on June 16th, 1858. Uh, He was taking the candidacy for president for the Republican Party, and in his speech he says, a house divided cannot stand. And I loved that statement, and I I just thought, yeah, our our houses need, need to be unified, and we need to be together, and we're working together for a greater good. Yes, that's good. And I kind of knew it was part of the Bible, but I wanted to know for myself where it was. So in Mark 3.25, if you guys can turn in your Bibles there, somebody was saying that Jesus had a demonic spirit inside of him. They said that he had the spirit of Beelzebub inside of him, and that's why he was able to do all these miracles, feed so many people, and cast demons out of people. And Jesus looked at them, and he, he was confused, and he said, why would the enemy use its power to go against the enemy? Why would demons use their abilities to go against demons? Why would the enemy fight against itself? And then he says it, a house divided against itself cannot stand. So I I kind of was taken back because I thought it was about being unified as a body of Christ. We, We need to be unified as a country and fight for the greater good. But in fact, it was talking about the enemy and how they're not gonna fight against themselves. And I just, I wanted to read into why why would the enemy be unified? And I'm starting to notice the strategy behind what they are doing, especially now in the world that we have. And it looks like what they're trying to do is divide each part of the world as much as they possibly can because they know if they're unified and we are not, it is way easier to defeat us. I'm a big Pixar fan and I'm sorry, I love Disney movies and I'm gonna talk about it because I'm a nerd, but... One of my favorite movies in Pixar is Bug's Life. And there's a scene in there that I really love. Um, What what the Bug's Life is about is these ants are providing food for the grasshoppers and food for themselves, and if they don't provide food for the grasshoppers, then they're, they're going to come and attack them, and they're scared of them, so they provide all this food. And in the end, these ants don't happen to get all the food for the grasshoppers themselves, so they decide to hide and one ant decides to stand up to the grasshoppers and says, you know that there are so many of us ants here that if we are united and come against you, we can win. And I just love that scene so much because it just shows that if we are unified as a body of Christ, if we are unified together, there's nothing that the enemy can throw at us to stop us. I've been seeing so much division. I mean, people disagree on doctrine and churches are divided or people get mad at one another and churches are split in half, people talking about their opinions about different things in America, what things should happen, what political views they should have, and it's dividing. People disagree because they don't get what they want. Uh, People have social statuses, people who make more money and people who don't. I don't want to go hang out with him because he wants to go to the cheap places. He does the cheap things, and it's divided. I mean, goodness gracious, if you go to a high school, you see the division right off the bat. Whether or not we wear a mask in public, are you a sheep? Are you doing the things that you need to do? Are you fighting for your rights? But the biggest thing that I'm seeing in division, especially in America, is the division of family. Families get mad at each other. They have disagreements, mom and dad are disagreeing about a certain thing, usually money or time, and they're split. Division's happening. The main verse that I want to talk to you guys about is 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10. Paul is talking to the church that he planted in Corinth, and he wasn't there because he was in prison, but he is writing a letter to this church, and this is the first thing that he is saying to them. The church is already disagreeing. It's not even 30, 40 years after the church was planted, and, and they're disagreeing. They're disagreeing on who they follow because of who they were baptized by. And so some people are saying, I am a follower of Apollos. I'm a follower of Paul. I'm a follower of Jesus, and they're disagreeing. And They're wanting to split up. And so this is what Paul says to them. I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another in what you say, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly united in mind and thought. My brothers and sisters, some from Chloe's household have informed me that you have, there are quarrels among you. What I mean is this one of you says, I follow Paul, another, I follow Apollos, another, I follow Cephas, another, I follow Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Were you baptized in the name of Paul? I think what he's saying is, what's the point of all of these quarrels? If you know the reason why you are choosing to follow Christ, you're choosing to be a part of the church, is because you want to know the love of God as a father. And you want to show that to the rest of the world. So if you're getting so focused on who you were baptized by and what this piece says right here, or what this means to you in your perspective of all of it, your opinion, it'll be dividing. One of the saddest things that I see is, there's churches that are all over the place that never connect and never see each other because they're disagreeing on a doctrinal thing. And we are focused on the love of Christ. And if two churches know that, why would we not be unified? First Peter 3, eight says, finally, all of you be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. I think one of the qualities that people have that is so undervalued, especially in Christianity, is humility. Humility, and I, I think of C.S. Lewis when when I hear about this, because he does not. He says it's not about thinking less of yourself, but is thinking of yourself less. Some of us say that we're humble because well, I mean we think that we're, we're we're unqualified, we're we're not good, we're we're messed up people, and yes, that that's true. We are messed up. But it's about thinking about the people around us and valuing them and valuing what they can bring to your life and and who they can be. How can I serve the people around me? Some of us are so internally focused on what's going on and the hurt that we feel or the frustration or what we are owed and what we deserve that we forget to love on the people that are around us. Be humble. Think of yourself less. Galatians 3.14 says, and over all these virtues put on love, which binds them together in perfect unity. Unity. Romans 12.16, he tells them to live in harmony. and I love harmony because I was a band kid uh, growing up and I loved to play my instrument. And even when I sing, I love to sing in harmonies because it doesn't just make the song good, but it just adds to it, and it builds, and it makes it so good. And when you hear an orchestra, and you hear the beautiful music, the harmonies, and the melodies, and everything that goes into it, it makes it so much greater than if it was just the tune you hear. Perfect harmony. Compliment one each other. Don't try to one-up one another and be better than the other, but live in harmony. Lift each other up. Philippians chapter 2, verse 1 says, Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, and being one in spirit and of mind. So he says, if you have known, if you know the love that our God, our Jesus Christ has for us, if you understand the love that he has and you felt his spirit upon your life, then I need you and be like-minded, have one mind, thinking of one another and loving one another as much as possible. The next verse is so key. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in humility. Value others above yourself, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. If every moment we saw the people around us and gave up the things that we want, gave up the things we were wanting to say in order to listen, in order to serve, in order to give. Man. And here's an example of how to do it in your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. If anybody had a right to place themselves above, to say that I am the greatest person that ever lived and you put themselves on a totem, it would have been Jesus. He was the son of God, he was born of a virgin and he could have conquered nations but instead he humbled himself. He didn't consider equality with God as something to be taken advantage of. Instead he said, no, I'm going to serve the ones around me, love the ones around me, lift them up. And in fact, I'm going to die for them, not because they have done anything that has qualified them, but I'm gonna show them that I love them by doing that. Some of you have people in your life who you're like, I, they're not qualified of the love that I need to give them, but just realize if Jesus died for you, and showed you that love, then why would you not love anybody around you, whether they deserve it or not? Show the love of Christ. Have the same mindset. There's a point in Jesus' life where he's praying for his disciples because he knows that he is going to be crucified on a cross and he's praying at the Garden of Gethsemane and what a selfless thing. You know, if, if I was praying because I knew that I was going to be crucified, I would have been freaking out. i been like, God, just take away the pain. God, give me the power. Give me the strength. I don't know what to do. Jesus doesn't do that at all. Instead, he says, God, I need you to help my disciples through this time because this is going to be so hard for them. They thought I was this guy, but your plans are so much different. I pray that you give them hope and courage through this time. And in fact, he goes on from praying for his disciples praying for us. Yeah, he prays for us. And I just think that's so cool that Jesus is praying for all believers before he dies on the cross. And this is what it says in John chapter 17. He says, my prayer is not for them alone, not just for the disciples. I pray for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us that the world may believe that you have sent me. I've given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I and them and you in me so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. The key point that I want to give you guys, and this is, you get anything, this is it. Jesus says, make them one, as you and I are one. How unified is Jesus and God? They're the same person. And so the fact that he's praying, God, make them unified as you and I are one, we are the same, and we are living together in harmony. Jesus, I pray that you let all believers Live as one, as if they are the same person, lifting each other up, thinking of each other before themselves. Jesus, I pray, God, I pray that you make them one. What if as we walked around in our lives and we were, as a community of believers, giving the things up that we want for the people around us, man, people will see the miraculous love that we have for each other and they say, I want that. I want that love. I see Jesus within their lives and I need that. God, make them one. You and I are one. We are having disagreements and we have all of our opinions and we have the things that we want to say. We have things we want for ourselves, but one moment, what if we just gave that up and loved and showed respect and honor and lifted up the other believers around us? How often do we stop being cynical about the things that are wrong, about the things around us, but actually think about the gifts and the amazing qualities of every single person here? What if we think about those things? And I, I've been praying about this, and I've heard it before, but I'm more convinced of it than ever. I think I know the answer. To all of the problems that we are having in society and in America, I think the problem is the lack of a father. I love God and I claim him as my father. And the reason why that was so easy for me is because I had a dad who showed me his love. He showed me that he cared about me and that he was willing to do anything for me as a son. And he was willing to show his love and compassion no matter what. He showed truth in my life. But when somebody said to me, the love of a father is 10 million times more than the love that your dad has for you. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's a lot of love. And some of you have not experienced that love of a father in your life. And I just want to say that I'm sorry. And I know that there is a heavenly father that will love you so much, more than a father ever could. Some of you are with your families and you're kind of at your last straw. And I want to encourage you, stay with it. Don't give up and show love to your family because families need unity more than ever. Kids are growing up with anxiety and depression and it is so running rampant, especially this year through everything that is known as foundational has just been crumbling around them, but they need somebody in their life to show them they are dedicated to them no matter what so that they can recognize that they have a father who will do the same. Don't give up on your family. Fatherhood is what kids need. They won't be anxious because they know there's people in their life who care about them. They won't be depressed because they know that they are loved. If we were unified as Jesus and God are one, the world won't deny who Jesus is. So pray with me. God, I thank you. Thank you so much for sending your son to die for me. Jesus, of anybody who was qualified to put themselves above us, it would have been you, but you did not choose to do that. Instead, in love, you chose to die for us. God, what right do we have to think of ourselves above other people if you yourself humbled yourself? God, I pray that we desire... Not only unity, but God, you make us in harmony with one another, lifting others above ourselves. Instead of blurting out what we think and our thoughts and our anger and our emotions, God, we think about the people around us and consider them. God, we know you are our provider and let us not think about the security for ourselves, but let us give that up and know that you are the one who secures. God, bless our lives. Let us go after unity as a body of Christ. God, I'm so excited for what that is because it's going to do amazing things. And God, there may be people who are watching online who don't know that love of a father and they're saying, Evan, I I want that love. Evan, I want to know about this Jesus who has given his life up for me. And God, I pray that they receive you right now believe that you are the son of God. And that there's no, nothing they can do that can mess them up too much from your love, God. I pray that they receive you now. In your name we pray. Amen.
0: You've been listening to a message from Columbus First Assembly. We hope that you've been encouraged in your spiritual journey. If you're not part of a local church and would like to attend one of our regular services, our church is located at the corner of 10th and Iowa Street in Columbus, Indiana. Our Sunday morning worship services start at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday evening studies begin at 7 p.m. And while you're online, check out our website at columbusfirstassembly.org for details and information about our church. You will also find other messages and series that you can listen to or download. Thanks for spending some time with us and for taking advantage of this resource from Columbus First Assembly, where we strive to learn and live the word and ways of God.